Hi, everybody. It's Andy. At the top of this episode, Ralph reads Colossians 2, 8 through 22. So if you'd like to read that yourself and skip the top of the episode is at about 310. Thanks. The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another. And we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. See to it. That there is no one who takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human tradition, in accordance with the elementary principles of the world, rather than in accordance with Christ. For in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in Him you have been made complete, and He is the head over every ruler and authority, and in Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision performed without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your wrongdoings and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us of all our wrongdoings, having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he had made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food and drink, or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are only a shadow of what is to come. But the substance belongs to Christ." Take care that no one keeps defrauding you of your prize by delighting in humility and the worship of the angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding firmly to the head from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as, Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use, in accordance with the commandments and teachings of man? These are matters which do have the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and humility and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Colossians 2, 8 22. Welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left, back in the studio, Billy I. Candy Kimsey. Holy like a bag of lifesavers. <laughs> <laughs> and empty in the seat is Rick Electric Rick Lou Carter. He's not here, but he will be. He's driving from Columbia. Can I'm you believe that? I'm very proud of the Rickening. Yeah, the, the Rickening. Oh, yeah, that's that good. Yeah, that Maybe we should one. do that. That's only when he's mad. Yeah, yeah. Tiziana, mom, so hard, subverse. Go ask your dad. <laughs> uh, straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Behind the glass, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. Sarita, the Edge, Edgerton. Hola. <laughs> I got a good one today. Back, I got to turn my headphones down. <laughs> okay. 
I wish Cherry's face could be. <laughs> I wish y'all could see when he said that. The look on her face when he was like a good one. Just so <laughs> afraid. Like, what is next? What is coming? I think I think I already did this one. Yeah, I did this one already. I did that one, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cherry the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. I thought I had a good one, but I don't. But I do have a pretty funny joke. And since we're going to be studying Hebrews, just like Andy said, how many Hebrews jokes are there going to be? Well, Ralph made one in uh, episode one, I believe. Or was it the last preamble? I can't remember. I can't remember. There was one not that unrecently. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I should be counting. So a little Jewish boy comes home from his Jewish school. And he's so excited. And he tells his mom, Mom, I got a part in the play. And she says, really? Well, what part is it? He says, I get to play the role of the Jewish father. She says, no, you go back and tell the teacher that you want a speaking role. Oh. But I'm bummed. I like them apples. My wife's going to like that one. That's good. Well, guys, you heard at the top uh, of the podcast, uh, you heard Ralph reading from Colossians. And I think, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was reading from the Colossians, which is a letter by the Apostle Paul. And we have to remind ourselves continually that these people lived 2,000 years ago, that it was written to a church or to a group of people right, 2,000 years ago. They lived in a different time. They lived in a different culture. And we do not remotely understand their day-to-day living habits, and especially their forms of daily and weekly worship. Think about it. We really don't, right, guys? Mm. We don't really, we don't know what their day-to-day lives were really like. I mean, we try. Like, I think about ancient cultures, like, well, they were all wearing really long clothes and sandals and, you know. They didn't have indoor plumbing. I they, can't even fathom. Or air conditioning. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even, like, comprehend what it was like in, like, the 14th century. Or antibiotics. Know? Yeah. Or 1950. Yeah. Or dentists. Yeah, totally. And you hear about, like, when they do a siege, you know, and they had to eat dung. Like, we've never had to eat dung. Yeah. <laughs> or each other. Our time when is coming. When I've people tell me to eat dung Our in a very mean way. Our time is but coming. Yeah, it's not coming. It's, coming. it's not happening. I'm not eating dung. Well, let me say it. <laughs> me either. <laughs> I'm going to eat a lot of morphine before I eat dung. Right. I'll tell you that right now. I'll just people go ahead like, and exit the party. like, I got all these guns. You're just like, if it comes to that, I just, I don't want to put that kind of work in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm confident of where I'm going to go when I die. I'm just going to peace out. When it gets yeah. to the dung eating, I'll see y'all later. Yeah, I'm Be like, good. Deuces. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> so you and Bear Grylls would not get along then. Oh, I'm sure we could be friends. Oh, yeah. We're just not going to eat the same poo. We're not. (laughs) Hey, that stuff's going to be char-broiled. Shoo. Not having it. Well, let me say it like this then. Have you ever slit a lamb's throat? Not today. Uh, Collected it today. (laughs) Okay, okay. How many people have killed an animal with their own hands in one way or another in here? Ralph, uh, Sarita, I. Yeah. You, Billy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Billy needs, didn't raise his hand. Well, Come on, Billy. I, I thought it was a game. The audience needs to hear you raise <laughs> your hand. Um, uh, so that's like that's like not quite 50. Was it a little better than 50% Wait, of who's here? Yeah, yeah, you sure. said you with your hands, like your bare hands, like well, you strangled uh, something. Uh, I mean, <laughs> let's go with yeah, yeah, I see Sarita doing Have you that. ever, you know. Yeah. 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 I cleaned a fish. Well, yeah. Yeah, that cleaned it. I don't want to do the chicken the way my grandmother did. Ring the neck. Yeah. I've never done it, but I've seen it. Yeah. Well, I ran over a squirrel with my car. Oh, okay. <gasps> I that, did that, that the yeah. other day. That's such a bummer. So it is I've killed sad. things intentionally, boom, boom. and you feel way worse about that one, about <laughs> the squirrel with car thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're stupid, but bless. 
Yeah. Bliss. Well, I that, know. I, I just remember bad. the noise when you hit one of those. Thump, thump. I know. <laughs> my car's so low to the ground, they don't have, they can't go under it. Because oh, my wow. car is so low, they can't get, sometimes they can get under the SUV. Oh, they can't get under the Your car's like a medieval torture device. It's like <laughs> yes. no way out of it. Pretty much. I just yeah. heard a whole lot of first world problems. Is what yeah. I heard, right? yeah. <laughs> I hate it when I accidentally kill a squirrel <laughs> that I do not have to kill ever. In my Lexus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, I'm not going to collect okay, off the okay. side of the road and eat because that's a necessity. Well, let me amp it up a little bit. So, okay, fine. You've killed an animal. Did you collect its blood and sprinkle it on an altar? Nope. No. No, uh, never. You'd never no. believe this, but no. So, good. If, you're, <laughs> if your answer was yes, then you're probably not from America or you're in a dangerous cult and you need to get out mm-hmm. of it. Right. There are cultures today that do practice blood sacrifice, but for the common American, this would be abhorrent, right? Do you know how you were to act in a synagogue? Like, do we got? Do we know? Like, what was this the standard way you should act in a synagogue? Mm-hmm. Ladies, can you go to church today without concern for your natural reproductive cycles? Mm-hmm. Right, sure men. Can. can you remove a dead animal from the road? Go wash your hands and then go into Sunday school. Or how about the cycles of the new moon and what that means for your work schedule and how you pay your tithes or taxes? How far are you allowed to travel on a Sunday? As far as I want to. Yeah. But back then on a Sabbath, you know, the law, even though the law doesn't necessarily say that, that was done by the rabbis, but they still, their law, their, their day-to-day lives were controlled by those laws that they had, you know, had mm-hmm. generated. Saturday? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's Not exactly Sunday. right. <laughs> Uh, does your church or governing official ask for mileage on your car to make sure that you're not driving more than a 30-mile trip? Uh, if you woke up and had a flat tire on a Sunday, would you wait until sundown to fix it? So you get the gist, right? So these and a thousand other questions could arise in your daily life, right? Thanks to the Hebrews who were in power in the first century. So I asked Ralph to read that section of the letter to the Colossians at the top of the podcast because you're going to hear similarity to the letter to the Hebrews as we study it. The New Testament was written in the first century. The Christians we so easily associate ourselves with in the Bible actually lived in the Old Testament sacrificial system. In fact, it was their governing body. You know, remember that, guys. Mm -hmm. Especially you listeners, remember that. This was their governing body. It's like we look at our president and we have our freedoms and our liberty, and yeah, like we're the light on on a hill somewhere. But back then... The religious order were the ruling body, right? So that was their every every single daily life. The letter to the Hebrews is a match lighting a powder keg. We don't see it because we don't live in that society, but what he's saying in this letter is literally explosive, okay? It doesn't feel that way because we weren't there. The blood sacrifice of an animal for the atonement of your sin was the only acceptable form of atonement to the Jews, Although, as with any religion, there were aberrations within that construct. There were other groups that performed differing rituals, and this is what Paul was explaining to the church at Coloss, that there were philosophies and empty deceptions that were captivating the minds of the people. And this was the effect of the Roman Empire and the Sadducean government, who were their puppets, an amalgamation of cultures cross-pollinating and creating strange forms of worship in their cultures. And this was the human tradition. But Paul much like the writer of the letter to the Hebrews, is attacking this with a vigor to keep the church together. And Jesus Christ had completed something. He had put an end to something. What the apostles of Christ were teaching was that Jesus himself was the once and forever final atoning sacrifice for mankind. In other words, the Old Testament system was finished, canceled, done away with. So this information 
this information spreads like wildfire through the Roman world. And by doing so, it sets off a splintering effect in the minds of all of these religious orders throughout the empire. But it's important to remember that within the Roman empire, Jews who were devout to Judaism had their synagogues placed in cities around the empire. That's something I wanted to bring up here. We always think that the synagogues were just in like Jerusalem, but they weren't. They were everywhere because wherever Jews were, they had their places Which of worship. Which was everywhere. Yeah. Thanks to the diaspora. You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. And so, honestly, since the exile, Jews were all over the world, but they were still practicing and they were still communicating, you know, and the Sadducean government, obviously, much like the Catholic Church today, they all communicate to one another and they they sort of stay on the same page, right? So, they weren't all in Jerusalem. And if you were a ruler or a writer of rabbinic law or a judge of that written law, a scribe or a Pharisee or a Sadducee, your job was to keep Judaism perfectly and teach the people in every synagogue what to do and hold them accountable. They were supposed to tell the people how to live according to the law, yet they were corrupt. And we know this because Jesus had judged them himself at the temple in Matthew 23. So in Judaism, the worshiping of angels or other gods or any created thing was an abomination to God. And this was the influence of the Greco-Roman world, rampant worship of anything other than the one true God. This was a problem for the rulers of the Jews. However, Judaism itself was fracturing from within due to the breakup and shakeup of their system of government and worship due in part to the apostles of Jesus Christ, who were bringing the gospel message to the Temple Mount regularly in Jerusalem as well. Remember, this first occurred when the apostle Peter would preach at the temple and thousands would be saved. It's really important to know something about these people uh, who were being saved, though. They were a special people. They were Jewish people from every nation under heaven, and they had all returned to Jerusalem for Shavuot, or in our English language, the Feast of Weeks. Cherry, can you uh, enlighten us on what the Feast of Weeks is? The Feast of Weeks is a Jewish holiday that occurs on the sixth day of the Hebrew month of Sivan. In the 21st century, it may fall between May 15th and June 14th on the Gregorian calendar. In the Bible... Shavuah marked the wheat harvest in the land of Israel, Exodus 34, 22. In addition, Orthodox rabbinic traditions teach that the date also marks the revelation of the Torah to Moses and the Israelites at Mount Sinai, which, according to the tradition of Orthodox Judaism, occurred at this date in 1314 BCE. So we can't miss the significance of this actual event that took place on this Jewish holy day in the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. Orthodox Jews believed that their law had been given to Moses on this special holy day. Christians today know this day as Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit took residence in the temple not made with human hands. You know, something I find interesting, so many people say that Christianity uh, isn't true or they don't believe this or they don't believe that or they believe there are other sects. You can just say my name. But if you, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about you at all. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm okay, just going for the easy joke. It's I'm fine. Go ahead. About, I'm talking about everyone through history, but if you look at history, our time starts with Jesus, beginning and end. I mean, a, after death, before. I mean, yeah. the whole world, their calendar, 2000, and it, this is all based on the life of Jesus, not the prophet Muhammad, not Buddha, 
Not anyone else. The entire world is on this calendar. Which really just points to who was in power at the time whenever this became a popular popularity contest, you know, for Right, most. but there's been a lot of other people in power that, that defeated the Romans and everyone else, and that didn't get changed as yeah. many times it does. I mean, there's other calendars, I think, but I'd say the whole world uses the Gregorian, wouldn't you say now? Or the Julian? I don't know, or Julian fries? I don't know. Sarita. Yeah. I hate to say this, but there's a lot of reading in this in this episode. There's going to be a lot of reading in the next four episodes, actually. But I just ask that you bear with me because it's important in order to build the case for Hebrews to understand what the writer's saying. He's literally drawing from all over the place. So do you mind to read the entire chapter two of Acts? If you guys don't want to hear it, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not. Fast forward. You don't want to hear it. Too bad. There's yeah. also the, the podcasts tones. have those, like, you can play things back at, like, 1.5x, so you can listen to it, but quicker. That's right. Oh, yeah, if you, you want. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I shall pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to a definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. 
for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received the Father from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved." You're Acts a rock star reader, two, man. One, three, four, mm-hmm. one, I was four, having the same thought. I was yeah. like, she deserves a round of applause. She does. Yeah. Very good. Uh, we're clapping, but you can't hear it. Now, very good. Thank you so much, Sarita. Now, Jerusalem at this point has thousands of Jewish believers of Jesus Christ as Messiah um, that speak the languages from every nation under heaven selling their land and possessions to assist the ministry of the gospel. And they're not adhering to the rabbinical laws. They still held to the law of Moses at that time. And there's a difference. And by now you should know what that is. Jesus was their high priest and had made purification for their sins once and for all. So do you see the problem for the rulers of the Jews? This is why Saul of Tarsus or the Apostle Paul came on the scene. Not only are they wrestling with paganism and the Roman influences, now you have these ignorant fishermen. He didn't sound very ignorant, did he? These ignorant fishermen telling people the Messiah had come, who was the sacrificial lamb and the true high priest, and that the rulers had killed him. Oh, and did I also mention that Jesus was actually the Son of God, who sits at the right hand of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? What? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Kaboom! I wish you could see my notebook. Yeah. I, when you said we were going to do Hebrews, way, way back, <laughs> I started doing some research. Uh-huh. And I literally wrote in my notebook, Hebrews 1 is a powder keg, a bomb, thrown 
on the Jewish leadership. And then you use very similar language there. Yeah. We're very violent people, are we? Yeah. <laughs> we like bombs. So I mean, it was. It blew up the narrative. It blew up. We always hear about the narrative mm-hmm. on the news. It doesn't fit the narrative. <laughs> this certainly didn't fit any narrative that was going on in this 30, 33 AD or whatever we want to call this year. Yep, you're exactly right. And by the time by the time this letter hits, it's like 65 AD, so there's been 30 years of this. you know. So by the time the right of the epistle to the Hebrews had come, um, after Pentecost, there were problems within the Christian community too. They were, they were awaiting Christ to return and make God's enemies his footstool. And the Christians weren't accepted in Judaism, and they weren't accepted by Rome. They were suffering as they waited. So the problem was that many were falling away from the faith and returning to Judaism. But that's not all. There were Christians cropping up within the church leadership in regard to how to navigate the Christian life while under Jewish law. Think about that for a minute, guys. Let's talk about that for just a second. You're a Jew. That's all you've ever known. And now all of this has changed, right? And you're in this, you're in your culture but you're pulling yourself away from that culture. Now, all of a sudden, your family, they're all looking at you. Think about it whenever you change, right? Mm-hmm. Think about you, Billy. <laughs> no. Everybody just think back to that first summer home from your first year in college. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you went out, you saw some things, you did some things. Peter's like, it, they're not drunk, it's only 9 a.m. Bunch of college freshmen be like, they could have been drunk. <laughs> they that, been. You know, that's... the. Yeah, like, you know, they're, they're having to really, yeah, there, there's a whole uh, paradigm shift Yeah, in so, every aspect of how they've been conducting, not just their lives as religious people, but again, like how they're being governed socially, what you can and can't do on a social level and in this uh, intermingled as they were in the Greco-Roman world. It's yeah. Huge. And, as, and so, exactly. So, when you read like the book of James and you read of Paul, right? So James, the brother of Jesus, and you got Peter and Paul, and they had that counsel on what was acceptable practice for the Gentile behavior, right? For the the behavior of the Gentile believer, as opposed to what the Jews were to do. Think about it. When you're in a Jew, you still are following Moses' law, even though Christ fulfilled it, but you're still in the system. You're waiting for the for this to be completed. So here's the question. Should they be circumcised? Should they eat meat, sacrifice to idols? Should they be required to give to the poor in their own countries? Should they give money to the church as a whole to assist the ministers? And still there were other groups claiming the same Christ, but their modes of thought and practice were different from the ones being taught by the apostles. They were growing cold and beginning to worship angels. Lawlessness was causing them to lose sight of their first love. And this was a huge problem and also one of the many reasons the apostles and other followers of Christ were writing the New Testament letters in the first place. They were writing to each other about what Christ had actually accomplished with his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, as well as how to conduct their lives daily based on that. And all of this while their own Jewish way of life and worship was coming to a violent end. And... This was being done by the God originally of that world or the age they were living in and yet held the belief in the Son of God bringing in the new world or the age to come. And I've heard so many Christians today say things like, I just wish I could have lived during that time so I would have heard all of this firsthand. Then I wouldn't be confused. (laughs) Wrong. You do not want to live in this time. This sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. So— it was a nightmare scenario for the believers living in this time. And if you didn't have the Holy Spirit residing in you, 
the gathering of believers in their homes regularly, which was the custom, and the missionaries traveling around the world building and sustaining these gatherings, we wouldn't be discussing this today. All that work would seriously cut into my sitting around <laughs> watching Netflix time. I almost put Netflix and chill, but that's just not, yeah. yeah. I, not, you already did. Listen, you're like a married it. man, you sir. You go on ahead. I can Netflix and chill. You go on that's right ahead. I sure can. Legally, even. <laughs> Honey, bring me a beer. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's Ralph's version. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's why wife smacks me in the head. Yeah. So their world was over. The new one was coming, and it was not going to be easy or without confusion as to what to do. So Jesus told the disciples that this would happen. Billy, do you mind reading that part of the Olivet Discourse from Matthew 24, uh, 19 to 14? Absolutely. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the gospels of the kingdom will be proclaimed through the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then will end will come. Matthew 24, 9-14. Thanks, Billy. So that one, that one line, the one who endures to the end will be saved, Jesus said that, right? What about the one who didn't endure to the end? So there were groups of, quote, believers, unquote, that had a form of godliness but denied the power thereof. We like to take that verse and describe it in a modern way to what we encounter. Although this is possible, it takes away from its original intent and thus robs us of what was truly meant by the author and his audience. They were worshiping angels and false gods, but claiming to be Christians too. There were true Christian believers falling away. But wait, I thought you couldn't lose your salvation. Well, keep everything in its context, time, and culture. Either you read your Bible as if it has authority or you don't. And the first thing you need to remember is who is this letter we're studying written to? The Hebrews, right? Are you a Hebrew? Not last I checked. No, not no. at all. I am like 2% Really? Really? Did you do a 23andMe or something? Just because I don't know who my birth father is, so I was trying oh, to figure some sense. medical oh, stuff cool. out. Yeah, that was I'm good. also um, Congolese, and I know I look like I'm Congolese. <laughs> yeah, and that's what everybody says what when you walk say. into a room. Oh, yeah, I know. So clearly <laughs> Congolese, yeah. The, I and mean, I some other it. middle African nation. Yeah. A hot mess? Like, like 3%. Well, I'm a hot mess. <laughs> There's always got, gravy in the mashed potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did you guys hear Rick? Rick made it in. Oh, Yay. Welcome. That's true. Yeah. So, so my mom got me this, like— like Groupon 23andMe thing one time for a DNA test, and the results came back European. <laughs> really? And that is a true story. Wow. You were like, you don't say. Yeah, you're just you like, don't say. oh, so somewhere between Turkey, Spain, and Switzerland. Yeah. And wait, no, I'm sorry, Turkey, Spain, and Norway. So in that triangle, <laughs> thanks for there. spinning that down. Yeah. It's much more detailed now. I'm sure it was more detailed then too, but not when you got the Groupon one. Oh, the right. Groupon. No, okay. Gotcha. Right. The discount well, DNA test. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so Sarita's 2% Jewish. So the rest of you, a Gentile? Yeah. Yes. All yes. right. So, are you a Gentile living in the first century? Praise the Lord, no. 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 no, yeah. So, where do we fit, right? Where do we fit in all of this? Is it possible that this letter is significant to the Hebrews in their time prior to a significant event that is about to happen? 
Is it possible that the event that was coming could tell you who you are in Jesus Christ today and that you are living in a time that the people who received this letter had hoped to survive to see? I love to think of it like that for a minute, guys. Remember back what Peter said? Peter talked about the sun will be darkened and the blood and the moon and all that stuff. Then he says right after that, I want this isn't part of the study, but I want to go back to that for a second. Sarita, when you read it, it kind of it hit me all of a sudden. He says it's my sultry time. It, that's what it was. <laughs> he explains all of this and he says, And I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. Now listen to what comes to pass. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It comes to pass after all of that stuff. It's kind of interesting. I really want to pay close attention to the timing, all right? So welcome to middle school. <laughs> we call this It's Time to Grow Up. We're going to be going through a lot of this, guys. I hated we're, middle school. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Seventh grade That's was because the worst. you were human. I liked yeah. it. Sock hop. I went to a junior high school, to be fair. I didn't go to a middle school. I'm sorry. I did you just either. say sock hop? A sock hop. Mm-hmm. Okay. How old are you? I was going to say. Yeah. I went to a sock hop about 10 years ago. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's creepy. What <laughs> What world are you all in here that there are a, sock hops happening? It was a big party. I got pictures of me with my- Tiziana, I homeschool and we don't up. sock hop. <laughs> yeah, so you, you gentlemen need to check yourself. Hey, oh, we did square dance in school too. Now we did that. Now, I remember yeah, square dancing. We did square dancing. I do remember that. Which is why yeah, I hated it in seventh grade. I hated it. Mm. Okay. Go, oh, I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All Middle right. school's a triggering word, you know. Yeah, you obviously. Everyone yeah. triggered. Yeah. So yeah, bow to your corner, bow to your and partner. Calm down. Yeah. Yeah. So deep breathing. Tiziana, do you mind yeah. to read the the first chapter of the Epistle to the Hebrews? Yeah, not and at allow all. to ex- allow the author to express his thoughts to us. All right, as Christians in the first century. Yeah, if you can. Can you read it like a Christian in the first century? In I Hebrew? Don't, I, you know, yeah. <laughs> Actually, this was Greek. Greek. Yeah. Greek, yeah. I'm at a total loss. Whenever I see Greek characters, I'm like, I don't know. Really? That's all I hear. I don't know. It's a good time to so say it's all away. Greek to me. Yeah, that's how yeah. everybody Alpha, hears Greek. But it's like, you we know, had I to memorize the Greek other... alphabet when we were in uh, my sorority. You had to memorize the Greek alphabet. Alpha, Has that served beta. you in any way, shape, or form? Like Os- if you Alpha, beta, gamma, delta? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to be if that, if that somehow or another produced some sort of fruit in your life, that wouldn't be a bad thing. But like, I, yeah, I can't. With Greek, I can identify letters all like on the back of people's cars when they have their. I'm like, I know what that is. Alpha, well, that's kind of cool. Chi, Omega, I don't know what that is. Okay, right. I'll read. All right, yeah. sorry, we digress. Not that anyone's surprised. Okay, <laughs> God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom He also made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels to the extent that he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have fathered you. And again, I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. And regarding the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. 
But regarding the Son, he says, Your throne, God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. And they all will wear out like a garment, and like a robe you will roll them up. Like a garment they will also be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But of which to the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to provide service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Didn't she just read Hebrews that like a one, bedtime one story? I'll tell you what. Wow. Yeah. Well, she faces she yeah. herself like a smart person. She does. Yeah. I, I do read to a two and a half year old every day. I wanted that times to see a milk bottle. As good as that <laughs> yeah. was. I was going to say, I've read out loud to my kids now for 15 years. When you have so. kids, you get you get good at it. You have to, yeah. right? Well, the author of Hebrews is showing us immediately the significance of the Son of God. And it should be obvious to us that he's making some distinct comparisons between angels and their purpose and the Son of God and his purpose. So let's look at these comparisons closer. Andy, can you show us these comparisons, please? Uh, for centuries, God spoke through prophets to their ancestors, but in the, quote, last days, quote, has spoken through the Son. Angels would deliver important messages to the prophets. The Son delivers God's Word Himself. The Son was appointed heir to all things, and the Son was the creator of those things. Angels create nothing. The Son is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact representation of God's nature, and the Son upholds all creation by the Word of God's power. Angels do not have this capability. The Son has the ability to make atonement for sin. This was unheard of in their culture. Sitting at God's right hand makes him equal to God. And by being equal, the Son has now inherited a name more excellent than any man, prophet, king, or angel. Dot, dot, dot. Ever. <laughs> Thank you. By if the way, when, we, when she read uh, Hebrews 1, for those of you who've listened to the Esther study, did you get that feel when it talks about him sitting on the throne and his scepter of righteousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the scepter to her forehead was the scepter he wouldn't kill her. Right. I just kind of got those Esther vibes, uh, you know, coming well, out Well, and there. it's really good that you—I mean, it's, I'm glad you pointed out because we're talking about a kingdom. Yeah. It's a kingdom. Jesus—I mean, John the Baptist, remember in our study? Mm -hmm. Bam, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what they were talking about as a kingdom. So, yeah, that's kingdom language, and it makes sense. So, if you were a Jew, these words— would either cause you to scream blasphemy, or if you were a Jewish believer in Jesus Christ as Messiah, you would scream hallelujah, God be praised. So after this explosive reality punch, the author goes on to show you some stark comparisons to the lesser angelic beings in regard to the Son, and he does it in this unique way. He first quotes a psalm, and do you know the words to Amazing Grace? Or how about this? Think of your favorite song. Do you know the words to it? Or maybe a song you used to love but haven't heard it in a while. Have you noticed how as that song begins to play, you start remembering the words? Have you guys experienced that? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I was wondering if I was the only one. I didn't no, think yeah. I was. Nope. Well, the Hebrews sang psalms, right? And these words would ring in their minds. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I've fathered you? Charlton, do you mind reading the whole of Psalm 2, please? Why are the nations relentless? No, and restless. Or restless, and the people plotting in vain. Start from the top. Why are the nations relentless and the restless? 
I, I had the, the same problem. I was <laughs> ignoring <laughs> entire words. So, <laughs> Why are the nations restless and the people plotting in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and their rulers conspire together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their shackles apart and throw their ropes away from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them with his fury, saying, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will announce the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have fathered you. Ask it of me, and I will certainly give the nations as your inheritance, and at the ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with your rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthware. Now then, you kings, use insight. Let yourselves be instructed. You judges of the earth, serve the Lord with reverence, and the king with trembling. Kiss the son, and he, not being angry, and you perish on the way, for his wrath may be kindled quickly. Now blessed are those who take refuge in him. Second Psalms 1. So it's a psalm about the Lord's anointed, the Messiah. And then the author of Hebrews goes on to, and quotes from Second Samuel 7, where God is telling the prophet Nathan to explain to King David about a special son that will build a temple. In the Old Testament context, they would think of Solomon. But the author here is referencing the son and the true temple to come. And again, I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. Their minds would remember these words read aloud in their synagogues. Cherry, would you mind reading 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 17? Now it came about when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all of his enemies, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I live in a house of cedar, but the ark of God remains within the tent. Nathan said to the king, go, do all that is in your mind, for the Lord is with you. But in the same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord says, should you build me a house for my dwelling? For I have not dwelt in a house since the day I brought up the sons of Israel from Egypt, even to this day. Rather, I have been moving about in a tent, that is, in a dwelling place." Wherever I have gone with all the sons of Israel, did I speak a word with one of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, this is what you shall say to my servant David. This is what the Lord of armies says. I myself took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be leader over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have eliminated all of your enemies from you. I will also make a great name for you, like the names of the great men who are on the earth. And I will establish a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again. Nor will malicious people oppress them any more as previously, even from the day that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. When your days are finished and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendants after you, who will come from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he does wrong, I will discipline him with a rod of men and with strokes of sons of mankind." 
but my favor shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and all of this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. I know this can be difficult, guys. I'm, I'm just breaking from it for a second. It's a little difficult. When you start reading large amounts of stuff, and I get that, but if you go back and you slowly listen to this, if you really want to get this, especially with what the Hebrew writer is doing, he is expecting his audience to know all of these things already. And so if they don't, that's why, he's, and you're going to hear about this later, he's, going to, he's really going to call them out because when he utters these words, as a Jew, you should know exactly what he's talking about. And that's how it works when you're reading the scripture. And the letter of the Hebrews, the reason it's one of my favorites is because it illuminates all of Scripture and shows you the already but not yet time frame, okay? And so that's why we're doing this. You have to go and find these places that this the Hebrew writer is giving you these little nuggets, like here's where it's coming from, this is where it's coming from, And right? I like how he's always saying, he's always like, and it's said in a certain place, and it says in our city, because he doesn't need to tell you where it is because the Hebrews listening to it would have known exactly. That's it's like right. when Jesus stood up in the temple and read the sec the section of scripture from Isaiah and then said, Today this has been this prophecy's been fulfilled in your hearing. And everybody like started tearing their clothes and chased him out of the temple. Yep. Because the audacity in their brain that he could say that he was the fulfillment of these ancient scriptures, but that's exactly what the writer of Hebrews is doing. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's what he's doing. And so the Hebrew audience reading this letter will start connecting these dots. And as readers 2,000 years later, we can only partially understand the importance of these words, and we must shift our paradigm. These promises were uttered by angels and through the prophets. He wants his audience to understand the significant difference between the messages given by the angels and the human one promised of God. Remember, just notice I said the human one. That's important. Jesus, the Messiah. But by doing so, he's established a promise concerning a temple or a house forever. Listeners, don't forget that promise. Along the way, you got to remember that. That promise is for those who believe Jesus was <clears throat> and was who he said he was, okay? So the author of Hebrews goes back even further. Now he hails back to Deuteronomy 32, but it's a special place in that book. At the end of Deuteronomy 31, and I hate how the Bible sometimes when it breaks up the chapters, it does a, it does a disservice for the message. You kind of miss it, you know? And you're like, oh, what is this? And you do, if you read two verses before it, you'd know exactly what it was. Well, or it's funny in the because timing. in the original, there aren't any. No. Yeah, that's for our There's no chapter breaks or verse. It, and yeah. I'm glad that they did it, but I just wish that they would have done it a little bit better. I like how you copied it. Yeah. And when I'm sitting here reading it, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, man, I wish it was just really written like this. Yeah. yeah. Because if it wasn't broken apart with all the all the verse numbers and all the sections, you almost try to, at least for me, you try to take significance with every verse. Yeah. Like, it's got to mean something because there's a number by it. Yeah. So, when in actuality, when it's all broken apart, you lose the continuity. Yeah. When you just heard her read Second Samuel 7, yes. you hear the whole discourse between Nathan and David and what God is saying to him. And if you take one verse out of that, you can— Change the meaning. Absolutely. So and so— Change the comma. You hear the whole— the whole thing, and you get the picture. So if you take a well, there's going to be a descendant that's going to bring this temple forever, right? You take a normal book and you break it in the same way. You put it by verse by verse, every sentence. None of us it, would read. No, we'd be done. You'd never read it, even a romantic novel. Did yeah. you guys read? You wouldn't do it. 
have you guys? Yeah. Even a romance novel, which everyone knows is a page turner. Yeah. Like, yeah. You wouldn't do it. They, they just read verse 37 over and over. <laughs> Dude, you need to cross-reference Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, chapter 3, verse 7. Yeah. With, you know, yeah, you can hear that now. So... Lord, you just brought some things into the... You brought Harry Potter in. Boy, You're boy. crazy. Such a so, romantic novel. <laughs> <laughs> so well, Harry Potter back, didn't have a love. muscle man on the cover, so I didn't read it. He wasn't Fabio? No. Yeah. There was nobody's bosom clutch, like heaving with her dress torn, yeah. so you were like, totally. I'm interested. <laughs> Bodice rippers, baby. That's where I am. Yeah. It's on a rock cliff you, or somewhere. You strike me as a bodice ripper, Andy. <laughs> you, you always have. <laughs> so if you go back to Deuteronomy 32, guys, you have to go to the end of Deuteronomy 31 before the chapter break uh, and to see that this is the song of Moses. And it's such a critical song. And the author quotes it in this, in this unique way. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. If you go to your Bible, you may not see this quotation from the song of Moses. Deuteronomy 32, 43. It depends on the version that you have. However, I know exactly where it comes from. The author of this letter is quoting the Greek Septuagint verbatim. And if you're not aware of what that is, Tiziana, can you tell us? Yes, I can. So the Septuagint, which is sometimes referred to as the Greek Old Testament or the translation of the 70, often abbreviated as LXX, is the earliest extant Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible from the original Hebrew. So the full title, um, the translation of the 70, derives from the story recorded in the letter of Aristeas to Philocrates. <laughs> the letter of Aristeas. <laughs> to Philocrates, who was his brother, by the way, that the laws of the Jews were translated into the Greek language at the request of Ptolemy II Philadelphus, who was ruler in Egypt from 285 to 247 BCE by 72 Jewish translators, six from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Yes, thank you very much. So the author has quoted the Psalms, references the temple and King David's son, and now he's gone back to the song uttered from Moses' lips. We're not Jewish we don't feel what this means. And I assure you, this is everything to their way of life. The author continues his comparison of the sun to the angels by now switching to a very interesting combination phrase. He is still quoting scripture, but in a way that would trigger the Jewish mind to see flashes of angelic moments in the past. He immediately quotes Psalm 104.4. He makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. So think the cherubim and the flaming sword protecting the Garden of Eden and preventing man to enter. Elijah calling down fire from God and killing the captains and their 50 men twice and the angel of the Lord with them. The whirlwind of fire that carried him away. The angel that visited Samson's parents and leapt into the fire and went up to heaven. Honestly, there's too many to reference here. And my point is that in every case, the angels are simply put messengers of God. They carried out God's word. The son was so much more. The son was the word. The author switches back to the sun and begins to weave together 2 Samuel 7, the promise to King David and the references uh, of one of David's Psalms, Psalm 89. It also flashes the prophets of old and what they said concerning this promise. Keep in mind, the author says at the very beginning of this letter to the Hebrews that the prophets spoke in time past the words of God. You know what's really important about that? What's that? Is something that we forget as we're studying this, because I've thought of this a lot 
is what we need to do is when we're reading some of these things, especially as listeners, is to take ourselves back in time and forget that we know what the New Testament is. Because mm-hmm. right. those words haven't been spoken yet. Right. Mean, some of right. them have through some of the studies we do, but those words have not been written or spoken yet. Yeah. And they studied the first five books. I mean, how many people here read Deuteronomy more than once in their lifetime or f- yeah. five times? I read it sure. like twice a week. <laughs> right. I'm just kidding. So I back then, <laughs> they studied these books, and then they studied all of the prophets that, that were after those, but they didn't know about the New Testament and the New Covenant. So when we talk about uh, this was blasphemy, this was wow, Yeah. this really was wow because they didn't have the the the, the good news. Yeah, it was new. And the good news was the wow, right? right? And yeah. like you'd said, there were all these different sects and all these different people cropping up and all these different mm-hmm. versions of what Jesus had said or whatever. So it was important for you know the apostles and the people that had actually walked with the Lord and for Paul to to sort of rein that in a little bit. Yep, and be like, "Well, now hold on." There was this one guy, the Marcionites, the Marcionites, Marcionites. Yeah. Yes. He actually preached that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament were two completely different gods mm-hmm. and that Jesus' sacrifice abolished the old God of the Old Testament, who was kind of a jerk, Yeah, quite frankly. Yeah. That's the way Andy believes. Andy yeah. says every time something bad happens, Jesus ducks and the Old Testament God comes up and throws him <laughs> <in> hell. <laughs> they definitely have pretty distinct roles. Or I mean, I mean, there's a clear delineation in the it way they treat. It feels different when yeah. you read it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's a continuation. The story is a continuation, you know, mm-hmm. which is why if you, you know, if you think of it as being God, God meeting people where they are, mm-hmm. and then the truth of God's undying love for all people unfolding and progressing as the minds he was talking to were capable of yes, containing that it's truth. Well, maturing. It makes sense that, you Over know, in time. the beginning, God's just like, look, whatever. If someone pokes your eye out, just poke theirs out now. <laughs> you know, and then Jesus is like, okay, like I know you heard that before, but you guys are better people now. So I can tell hey, you what God really wants you to I, do. I, I've got a great way to say it. God is your parent and Christ is your grandparent. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. It's like a little bit, yeah. Exactly. Like that. You remember the conversation yeah. that we had? about uh, humanity's life cycle that I think that yeah. we're like, the humanity right now to God is almost like maybe 12 years old. Right. You know, we're almost capable of sustaining ourselves and feeding ourselves and handling things. Yeah. But we have the mentality almost like a 12-year-old. Right. And when you read from the Old Testament, just like you're pointing out, it's like God's dealing with infants. Yeah. And just temper tantrum children. Yeah. Like the crude minds, very yes. crude, barbaric minds, it feels like almost. When you have and a, sometimes he throws the baby out with the bathwater. Yep. He did. Right. If he it, did. If it, that's what it calls for. But I mean, like, really, if you think about it, if you have a one-year-old, you say, don't touch fire. Yeah. If but, you have a six-year-old, you say, don't touch fire because it could harm you. Make sure that you're careful when you're around that fire. Mm-hmm. And then if you have a 13-year-old, let me show you how to use fire. So Yeah. So you look at old Deuteronomy, process and that's basically right. what he did. He was telling like them as young children. Nice. She's process. such a process theologian. Well, process you have to remember theology. too. I'm sort of a process theologian. <laughs> you have to remember too, and this is only this has only changed in the last several hundred years. Back then, what's changed? I'm not going to say that the people back then were stupid because they weren't, because they all had trades, but they were ignorant. Most of them didn't read or write or any of that. So. They had to be spoon-fed all of this stuff, which is why they was it, they talked about it all the time, and they studied with each other, and that's why everybody knew it so much. But they were still infants of the mind because they didn't read other books. It's now in the last couple of hundred years where, especially Americans, 
uh, we read and say, well, that can't be true. And we put our brains on and, oh, well, this. And then you have all these people that come out of college and they go into college and they may be a right winger and they come out of college and they're on the left. That's mm-hmm. why you said, when you said, when you come home from college, I said, yeah, I remember that first visit. My sister came home from college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, all of a sudden I was not, not a right winger anymore. I was a jerk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny yeah. how that works? So in all of my personal studies, and with the use of references, books, study guides, uh, I never found what I picked up on during my time when I was writing the content for this particular episode. And I picked up on something incredible that the writer of this letter was doing. And he's literally painting a picture in your mind through the use of the Psalms that they sing to show you the significance of Jesus. And he's making a new song. I, I, maybe that's just me, but it's what it feels like whenever I see him quoting these lyrics. And to me, this author is breathing out the scriptures he knows into the one he's writing in an effort to save the people. Well, that's not unlike the, uh, Jesus using parables. He's, he's speaking to the people in their own languages. They know all these Psalms. So he's writing a new Psalm in this. Yeah. And, and speaking to them in their language that they can understand. So everybody understands because in that time, that's what they knew. I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but when I, whenever I was writing this and I was going through all of this and I was reading it over and over and I was really just trying to get the imagery that he's trying to come across, it's like something else happened inside my mind. It's, it's almost like when you're singing oh, a song, that. you know? And I it's get like, that. It starts to flow. Yeah. It feels like it's, it's just a Sometimes flow. I will be reading something in the Bible and a song, because I was in the choir for 30 years, a song will go through my head or yep. a piece of scripture will go through my head and a light bulb goes off and says, oh, I'm getting second understanding. Oh, I'm getting a third understanding. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's amazing. You'll, start, you, you'll start learning and you'll start getting it when you're supposed to get it. So yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. I that's the feeling that I was getting during this. So when I was writing this, like I, I feel like I'm a lot more hippie-ish in this letter than I. <laughs> well, as a teacher by trade, you learn very quickly that if you can get a child to learn their times tables to a song, they're going to learn their times tables better than if you just like one times one is one. Two times two yeah, is two. Three, six, nine. It. 12, 15, 18. So, 21, 24, 27. <laughs> but then that didn't work right. for my boys. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, that six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That didn't work for my boys necessarily, but, <laughs> but it does. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But yeah, you teach it in song. And if you want to reinforce scripture, because that's what we're going to be doing in heaven, we're going to be singing scripture literally back to Jesus while... You know, we're glorifying Him and all whatever we're doing. I don't have an insight into that much heaven, but I know we're singing stuff. It's 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 going to be stuff from the Psalms. It's going to be scripture of the New Testament of Jesus's life. It's going to be, you know, whatever. I don't know what songs y'all sing. Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. I mean that it, it's just it's 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 amazing. And so when you put things to song. If you want to learn them, that's how I taught Spanish. I taught a lot of Spanish songs. And that's great because God, you know, through David and through other men who sat down and penned these psalms, you know, there were some that were like deeply emotional and some that were very praising and uplifting. And, you know, he, 
this person's emotion comes out through the song, but it's also the words of God that's flowing through them. And, and then he this had the writer sad song says yeah. so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, here you go. This writer of the Hebrews is communicating to his people and he's using these words from these songs to to trigger something, right? So that makes that's, that's funny because when I was teaching catechism when I was 19, I actually wrote a song about how to memorize the books of the Bibles. Genesis went to Exodus to talk about Leviticus's numbers and Deuteronomy. I mean, it was just a yeah. whole little thing, and we had fun with it. Yeah, that's cool. So if you guys go back and you read these, right, if you put them in the order that he puts them in and just kind of let it flow, it's like this new song of old promises to get a new generation created to the new world. But I want to give you this silly little example that I, I, I tested this out. And it's it's fun. Uh, and and Charlton Carter, I want you to sing it. All right. If you do, you know these songs, oh, Charlton. Yeah. yeah. Sing it. Sing it like you know it. You ready? Take it away. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to take it note for note, but don't worry. This. You totally yeah. broke that one. Like you missed it. <laughs> you were going to sing the whole song. I was almost going to. <laughs> Almost. I had to stop. Start over. Start over here again? Start over right there. All right. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to take it note for note. A little ditty about Jack and Diane. Two American kids growing up in the heartland. Love stinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. If you, if you know the songs by Bobby McFerrin, John Cougar Mellencamp, and the Jay Giles Band, and you mishmash them together, you get quite a strange and fascinating story, okay? If you listen, if you know all the words to all the songs and you were to try to put it all together, you would get the story if you just let it, mm-hmm. right? That's kind of the idea here. But with these Psalms, these guys, they know it. Like, they know it, right? So the author of the Hebrews is doing the similar thing, but with a far more meaningful and momentous, for far more meaningful and momentous reasons. Billy. Yes. Would you read Hebrews 1, verses 8 through 9? Sure. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, lasts forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated weakness. Weak, weakness. uh, Wickedness. Wickedness. Therefore, God. Your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Cross-references Hebrews 1, 8 through 9, Psalms 45, 6 through 7, and Isaiah 61, 1 and 3. All right. So look at the title box in your Bible concerning the Psalm 45. To the chief musician upon Shoshanim, for the sons of Korah, masculine, a song of loves. Now watch what the Hebrew author takes you to in his next lyric quotes of Hebrews 1, 10 through 12, and Psalm 102, 25 through 27. Andy? And... You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens and the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. So go look at the title block in your Bible concerning 102. A prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and poureth out his complaint before the Lord. So now watch how he masterfully pulls it all together with his final quote. Sarita, can you read Hebrews 1.13? Psalm 110, a Psalm of David. The Lord said unto my Lord, 
Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So the author of this letter really knows his Hebrew Bible, and he has cited his references within the body of the letter. Remember, footnotes weren't invented and adopted into language until 1568 by London printer Richard Jug. That's fun. That's a fun little fact. Yeah, when he printed the Bishop's Bible. So all so, those kids are doing term papers with footnotes? Yep. That's right. You can thank that dude. Thank the jug. Jughead. The jug. So we've just went through a unique style of argumentation regarding the significance of Jesus versus the angels. At the end, he masterfully writes a new song that brings the mind back to songs they all knew. So go and read those Psalms in that order. You'll see a picture of the coming king, a new created people, a suffering one who is afflicted, who sits at the right hand of God, that will watch his God make his enemies his footstool, and will have a name above every other name, including all of the angels that some of these people have been considering worshiping. And after his argument, the last verse in chapter one says what, Cherry? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to provide service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Yeah. So... Let's think about this. If you are a person that's put your faith in Christ, if you believe in Jesus, that means that those ministering spirits did all this for you. It's pretty cool, isn't it? (laughs) Especially if you're selfish. Everyone should see Rick being super cash right now. I am so super cash right now. He's like like a youth minister. I'm trying not to fall asleep at the wheel here. This was the most boring episode of my life. That's singing. But you you have to. No, it wasn't. It was not. I'm no, exhausted. So no, 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 the yeah. 21 Christmas episode still wins. You can't beat it. <laughs> You're right. No, the reading of all the creeds that I missed oh. was oh, the most yeah. boring. Yes. Oh, and word. no creed joke. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't yeah. thought about that. Yeah. Somebody so, missed that. Yeah. Do you have a creed joke? Really? No, I don't have boat. a creed joke, but I was just yeah. like, what? 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 You? Exactly. Oh. That's exactly what I was saying. We should while we were reading. Exactly. I was like, holy cow. Glad I was sick that day. Yeah. Me, it yeah, was so, like. Thank you, Jesus. I know, I know. I listened to the whole thing, too. Like, you know. No, I, you didn't. I, oh, yeah. You didn't put it on Did fast you, Were you interested no, in the whole thing. Were you interested in it at all? Well, I'm fascinated with church history anyway. And like but, how I mean, all that stuff kind of comes driving. about. Did it shock you at how many creeds there were? Yeah, and you no, wrote. I, no, I'm surprised I'm, at yeah. Masters of Divinity. It's easy to be honest. Like, no, I literally theory. already like, I've, I've literally had to <laughs> yeah. read a two-volume book on the history of Christianity for school. Yeah. That is like, a, the, each each in, individual volume is gone with the wind. And yeah. I had to read two of them in a yeah. semester. So, I, but I find it, I just find it fascinating for that same reason that you were talking about. Like, there's so many, there was so, Christianity was so giant until you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and even after the Roman Church tried to collapse it into one streamlined thing, there's all these the Anabaptists and the you know the the Mennonites and the, the, just tons the Welchianists, the Welchianism. I mean, they're they're I they're just, my favorite. I just air guitar Creed while you're over <laughs> in front of my mirror. I was like, <laughs> what fair fly by you? I don't even know what he says. <laughs> He's a Christian. His name is what? Scott Stapp? I have no idea. Yeah, He's a Christian. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. Well, thank you guys for putting up with this. I know, you know, there's going to be a lot of Bible reading in the next, like I said, the first five parts. There's a lot. Okay. But when you get into Hebrews, it's really going to open up the Bible like a flower. You're going to see all the different petals and things are going to start really singing to you. And this, the writer was brilliant. He was brilliant. And I, I definitely believe in my heart, it was Holy Spirit led, but you can tell this, this man, he knew his Bible. You know, he really did. Well, Billy. Yes, sir. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're not yeah. sick anymore. Nope. 
I'm over scurvy or COVID yeah. or yeah. RSVP <laughs> or whatever it was. So anyway. Yeah, Rick, thanks for I making a, it up I, here. I got a joke about scurvy. Yeah. <laughs> the kid went I'm to school and came home and told his mom, said, hey, the teacher called me a scurvy elephant. I said, no, I read the note. You were a disturbing element. <laughs> <laughs> What? We're redefining joke, folks. <laughs> I know it. So I don't get it. I don't get it. She said the, the, teacher, the little right kid said the teacher said that she was a scurvy elephant, and her mom said, "No, I read the note. You were a disturbing element in class." Yeah. What's Eight. this life for? Thank you, thank you, Billy. <laughs> Good job, Only Billy. dad Good jokes, job, I guess. Billy. Yeah. I get it. I get it. It's just because she couldn't read. Is that the joke? No, she, she was, was dumb. No, she, <laughs> that's what she, she, she misremembered. She was talking it. in class. She was being oh, a disturbing oh, oh, element. Oh, I see. Oh, oh, I got you. I got you. She was telling her what the teacher said. Okay, now I got you. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I was like, what's the joke that she's dumb? I'm honestly, I, I actually told this read? joke 500 no. years ago, so she's having to re remember what that was like. You want to know what's then? worse? I get it What's now. worse is that after you went through all of that and finally got it, I'm still over here sunk. Yeah. <laughs> still going. I'm that guy on the outside of the crowd like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get it. But I know. And you got the you got the smart guy glasses on too. I do. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Got your Harry Potter glasses. Yes. No, I have, so anyway. That's the second Potter reference. Rick, thanks for driving up from yeah, uh, Columbia for, in the rain. Yes. It's pretty crazy. Tiziana for leaving your all the kids. Listen, it wasn't hard. Ralph, Andy, Serena, Cherry. I drove from Spartanburg. That's half as far you as. You sure did. Yeah, thank you. Charlton the Third did. That's right. But oh. I was on time. Well, Ooh. just yeah, kidding. buddy. Well, <laughs> we will. <laughs> we will talk to you guys again next time on the Burrows of Berea. Peace <laughs> out. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burrows of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. I just, I, my phone hasn't, the ringer hasn't been on in my phone, on my phone in probably like 10 years. So I don't <laughs> yeah. understand people whose yeah. phones ring. Yeah. I, I just, my my phone rings like 38,000 times a day. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all phantom pocket vibrations for oh, me. Oh, I baby. was watching the yeah. movie the other day. I, I think it was one of the bad boys and they were doing the clips at the end, you know, the, the bloopers. And, and, yeah, and one yeah. of the guys got a phone call. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm filming a movie right now. Oh no, no, no. It's perfect time for you to call. Go right ahead and just interrupt a movie. It's only a million. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny going off. Yeah. It was hilarious. Funny, funny. All right. Are we ready to start back up? Oh, uh, yes, sir. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do a thing. I something about who I sent a request to. Who do you send yeah, the yeah. request for? So we send for no ours rain. to God. Where do you send yours? <laughs> I don't know. I just I dance hey, and hope some God picks it up. It's fine. There you go. Hey, is, is, there's hope that there's some God out yeah, there. Yeah, just exactly right. You just put it out there. He goes just from atheist to agnostic, and one yeah. fell swing. Yeah, and one, yeah. one well, The minute I need literally anything, that's it. <laughs> The minute I need literally yeah, I anything. I mean, is that progress, though? I, mean, <laughs> I feel yes, like that's good progress. That's progress. Yeah, I'll take All it. Right. Yeah, you should probably try not doing that. I know. Yeah. I should work harder at not sucking. If you could not have the frailties of a normal human, human yeah, I would I really appreciate that. I'm going to work on that. I've been working on it.